Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Marcus Meets, a show available via iTunes podcasts for Apple devices or Acast, which works on iPhone and Android. You can listen with whatever device you want by heading to marcusbronzy.com slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets. In this episode, we speak to the established radio broadcaster and television presenter, Nick Bright. He's known for his work on BBC Radio 1 Extra, 10am till 1pm on the weekends. He's also known for working with BBC Get Inspired, BBC Sport, and you can hear him on MTV UK as well. Now, if you want a career in entertainment, Nick drops some great advice when he pops in for a chat. Um, his love for radio production really, really comes through and how that's affected his presenting. And also he discusses having a professional athlete for a girlfriend and how that's impacted his lifestyle health wise as well uh, for some reason we were talking about our favorite youtubers right before we uh started and how making money may mean that they can afford teams to help them create more content in the future and how that might affect their output uh, and i mentioned one of my favorite youtubers at the moment ksi and said it still seems like he has a big hand in his creative process and edits uh, and do you think he gets much help or do you think he hires much help, Nick? When you're earning as much as these YouTubers <laughs> earn through P, you yeah. can afford to hire people to come up with script ideas. And it's all of that now. It's an, it's next level. It's like you've got to think, you know, when a TV show's made, it might be one person's idea. But then mm. and look how many writers work on the TV show and stuff like that. These YouTubers, the top, top, top ones, the execution is obviously still them because it has to be them because it's what they're about but then the the kind of inception yeah and the creation of the content there is way more people involved now because there's serious money at stake do you know what looking at his stuff i still think he's got like a massive hand in his editing no no i i I think I, i think so as well but i just think that there will be other people like involved with what cameraman happened. and stuff yeah like, like his that, management yeah. company yeah. like he'll have writer he'll have yeah. like there's a, there'll be a team yeah because it's like stand-up yeah. comedians yeah stand-up yeah. comedians right a lot of them don't write their own stuff a lot of the most successful ones they have a writing team do you know what i mean like for example russell howard yeah i can tell you for a fact he doesn't write all of his own stuff 
good news definitely there's a massive yeah, like, yeah. Like, Russell Howard's good news there's a massive team behind that because they the, like look at all news in it yeah. the guy that supports Russell Howard on tour I, I like forgive me I don't know his name off the top of my head because I've seen Russell Howard on tour and I like Russell Howard I think he's very funny yeah but um the guy that he's is his warm-up act that's the guy who writes a lot of his material uh, it, it, let, let me rephrase that they don't write the comedian's material but they're on the writing team yeah so it's like Russell Howard will be there helping yeah. with the writing but he doesn't r- come up with it 100% himself. It's like rappers nowadays, man. Rappers <laughs> rappers nowadays are not... They're not coming up with 100% of the raps. Drake is not coming up with his raps. Mm. You've got to think of them like pop stars. Mm. Because people don't batter an eyelid that Beyonce doesn't write her own songs. Rihanna doesn't write her own songs. Nobody batters an eyelid. But because rappers nowadays even though nobody's come out and openly said i don't write my own songs but people know they don't people are going oh that's dead man rap music's not like it used to be which mm. is kind of true but at the same time back in the day when things were digit uh, when things were not digital people didn't have to come up with material as much as they do now man yeah. rappers need to come out with new songs every other week you need you need to be dropping heat every single week you got to be doing something yeah do you know what yeah. i mean you can't just it, it's too difficult now to be an artist musical artist and just like you know how like certain guys used to release an album then disappear for two years then release another album disappear for another two years you can't do that now unless you're unless you are a heritage artist that is like got the absolute game on lock got the got the genre of music that you represent on lock you can't just disappear yeah, you had to be big before this transition into sort of constant content. And and maybe that's why, um, to go back to YouTube, is maybe that's why they are doing so well now because they can churn out videos. Mm-hmm. Quick. You can churn out, you know, a 10-minute video every day if you needed yeah. to. And to turn around that sort of content and keep that, lo- that level of quality 10 years ago, even if you, even if it is just like face the camera, was so hard to yeah. do and just and upload quickly. Like, there was no super high-speed broadband yeah. 10 years ago. Broadband was, was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But I don't know, mate, I don't know, this whole YouTube thing, I'm just, what, I don't know why I've returned to looking at some of these numbers and stuff, but, I like, some of these guys, their followings are ridiculous. Like, like KSI's got 13 million. Rodri. It's all right. Don't know what that sound is, but, yeah. yeah. KSI's got like 13 million followers, bro. There's like 10 million followers in uh, 10 million people in New York or something. So he's got more followers in New York. Anyway, all that aside, uh, yeah, I know who you are, mate. But like, what do you do for the listener? So I'm, uh, yeah, uh, my name's Nick Bright, and I'm, I guess I'm a radio presenter. That's that's what most people would know me as. I do I do a show on Radio One Extra Saturdays and Sundays, ten to one. Got to get the plug in, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'll generally just say presenter now because i'm starting to do quite a bit more visual stuff tv online yeah um do a bit for bbc sport um so yeah just just kind of presenter if that is a a real job title it feels really weird to say it because like i didn't set out to be a presenter and like like i just said it's not it's not like a real job is it you know being a presenter it's not like you're grafting hard like you know back breaking work getting calluses on my hands you know what i mean it's none of that it's just like talking talking some rubbish into a mic for 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 a job but yeah presenter nick bright how'd you get into it again like i said man like 
I never set out to be a presenter or a DJ. Um, I was DJ. I've been DJing since I was about 13 years old. Um, I bought my first pair of turntables. Didn't have belt drives. Um, I went straight in with direct drives. I luckily missed the belt drive wave. I'm sorry, Nick, Nick's getting a bit technical already. What's yeah. the difference between a belt drive and a, and a direct drive? Um, right, so a direct drive turntable will pretty much start off at the the operating speed straight away. This sounds so nerdy. Can I just say that? Like, it's not even a nerdy thing. A, a, a belt drive turntable is dead. It, like, it's basically the type of turntable that if you stop the deck, if you, because we're talking vinyl here, if you stop the deck, and then let go of the deck for it to play again. It will go like it's like proper. So difficult to use them. Mm. Uh, so I had a pair of direct drive turntables. I bought like a cheap little package, man. Like I can't even remember how much it was, but it came with the mixer and two decks and a pair of headphones, the deadest headphones ever. Um, it was just in my parents' bedroom, man. That was when I was about thirteen years old, something like that. Yeah. Uh, not my parents' bedroom. Sorry, my 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 house in uh, my bedroom in my parents' house, and um. From then, I kind of knew that I really enjoyed DJing because my my the person that got me into music was my brother. My brother's a rapper, still rapping now to this day. He's a battle rapper called Tenchu. And um, I, he just used to listen to hip-hop music. And because of that, I got into music. Um, that's when I got the decks. Uh, and then kind of fell in love with trying to mix, basically. I couldn't do it. I was terrible when I first started, you know, really really bad laughably bad but um i liked it it was a hobby it was something that i didn't think was going to go anywhere i didn't think it was going to turn into a job i didn't think i'd make a career out of it uh but fast forward a little bit uh i ended up getting a radio show on a community radio station in portsmouth my parents moved to portsmouth by now because I'm, I'm from croydon originally but then my parents moved to portsmouth when i was about 16 and um there's a station in Portsmouth called Express FM, little community station, still down there now, doing really, really well, man. But um, I got a show on Express FM presenting with the guy that I still live with now, like a guy <laughs> called Mike Wooler. He actually does a, sh- a show on Capital FM now. So like, I'm on One Extra and he's on Capital, but we still live together. It's like known him for years, cool guy. And um, do you drop a lot of puns in the house? Is there is there a little bit of rivalry? Do we, do we try and out radio each other? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When we're in the kitchen, like, hello and welcome to the kitchen. Today I'm using the oven. <laughs> like, no, there's none of that really. No, I thought it'd be like subtle ones, like uh, how many sugars do you want? I'll have one extra. Not even, not even. I'm going to capitalize on the fact there's no milk. Um, no, we 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 don't really like. To be honest with you. We do talk quite a lot about the radio industry because it's like what we both do. Yeah. But we mainly talk about it in a in a sense of like um you know day-to-day stuff rather than like I don't know like trying to be funny. We we just talk about like if there's any changes or if someone done something amazing on a show or yeah. whatever like stuff like that. And then aside from that, we just talk about Pokemon Go. Because that is the the kind of buzzword at the moment, the buzz game. Yeah, you know, Nick, we we will get back to that. I promise you. Yeah, so you were in the middle of your epic story yeah, yeah, of, your, yeah. of your rise to radio glory. Yeah, I'll try and I'll try and get through it quicker because I mean this is going to take up the whole podcast at this rate. <laughs> but um, yeah, basically, so Express FM, uh, I joined there with with Mike Wooler. We used to do a Friday night kind of UK urban music show together. Yeah, um, and then 
decided I wanted to go to uni. At that time, I was studying radio production at college because I, s- I started getting into my music production. Yeah. Uh, but that never really took off for me. I didn't enjoy it that much because sitting in front of a computer, it felt just a little bit like an office job. I know it's completely not because you're producing music, but you're still just sitting in front of a computer. And I don't know, I just, I just didn't enjoy it. I liked hearing the end product of stuff that I was creating, but the process... You know, I've got quite a short attention span, basically. Like, so the process of making music just took too long for me. So I loved music technology. I loved that side of things, music production. But I also loved radio. I fell in Mm. love with radio when I was doing Express FM. So I was like, what can I do that combines these two things together? And then I found a radio production course at Westminster University, which was back in London. So I, I joined that course, moved back to London, studied radio production at uni, then while I was there, I managed to uh, start applying for some jobs because one of one of the big things for me, and if there's anyone listening to this podcast that you know um, wants to break into radio or is young and is you know wondering what they want to do with their life, or whatever, my biggest piece of advice whenever I go to colleges, uni, whatever, is if you are studying something and you want to get a job in that field, start applying for jobs immediately. Why wait? Do not wait until you finish uni and then start applying for a job. Because when you finish uni, you haven't got funding coming in. You ain't got no uni loan. You either have to move back with your parents, right? Which for a lot of people might not be in London or might not be in the city where you want to work. And then you have to get a job. And 90% of your time is taken up doing a job that you don't like, a job you don't want to do, a job that you could have done before you went to uni. So for me, a big thing that I wanted to do was when I was at uni, I applied for jobs at One Extra, Radio One Extra. Yeah. Big entry-level jobs, broadcast assistant, which is like the, the, the lowest-level production job, foot in the door. So I applied for these jobs, and I kept getting knocked back. And then, But then eventually I got an interview for one. By now, I'm in my second year of uni. So I got an interview for a job. Again, I was unsuccessful, but once you've had an interview at the BBC, you can get feedback directly from the people that interviewed you, who are people that work here. Mm. So um, I managed to get some feedback from one of the editors. He just said, you needed a bit more industry. I needed a bit more industry experience. So I just emailed him back and was like, well, can I come in and get some? And then luckily he emailed back saying, yeah, sure. Here's the person you need to contact blah 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 and then it rolled on from that started coming in making cups of tea you know the usual cliched stories but that is how it works making cups of tea on a guy called twin b show he used to do saturdays and sundays 10 until one um on one extra and now i present that show actually that's the show that i present so it's like it's really weird it's like almost full circle there um so yeah i, I was making tea on his show to, to bring you fully up to speed making tea on his show managed to um do that for the whole summer at the end of the summer, they told me I couldn't keep coming in for free anymore because it's unfair on other people and stuff like that. So I was really sad. But then a week later, at the, the, the start of my third year of uni, um, I got a phone call saying somebody's phoned in sick. Can you come and do a paid cover shift yeah. on Mr. Jam's show? I was like, of course. <laughs> so I was gassed. I was like, of course. Like I've been doing this for free and now you're going to pay me. And it's the job I want when I finish uni anyway. So I came in. And never left, man. Um, still managed to finish my degree. Got two one my radio production degree, which is which was nice because that's what I set out to get. Good. Yeah. Um, and then working on Mr. Jam's show, he used to talk to me on air. The management liked how it sounded. They asked me to put in a demo. Recorded one by myself one night. 
you know, no bells and whistles, just like went in one of the studios on my own, played some music that I liked, done a little bit of talking in between the music. And the next thing I know, I was in the, the, the big management office with the big man manager, Ben Cooper, who's like the boss of Radio 101 Extra. And he was offering me a show. You know, I was I was flabbergasted because, like I said, genuinely, when I say this, I never set out to be a DJ or presenter. I wanted to work in production. I studied radio production at uni, had a production job at One Extra, and then I just fell into it, man. And nice. I, it's, a, it's a great thing. I love my job. Like, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be doing the job that I do, but it's one of those things that just happened. And, like, obviously now if it got taken away, I'd be absolutely gutted because I've had a taste of it. But, like, if it didn't happen before, I wouldn't be gutted because it's not what I was chasing. Yeah. So, you know... I, that's, that's a piece of advice i not not advice because everybody has different routes everybody in this industry has a different route but like one thing i always say to people is nine times out of ten when you chase and chase and chase and hound something it's harder to get it runs away from you that's not saying you should sit on your ass and not do anything at all but like you, you sometimes you have to almost kind of take a back seat and go right this isn't happening for me this way maybe i can get it that way instead mm. so like you know, I managed to do it the way that I did it. Same as Annie Mac by working in production. Annie Mac used to work in production at Radio One before she became the massive brand and DJ that she is now. Mm-hmm. Jam Supernova, who's on One Extra, worked in production. But not everybody goes that route. And that's a common misconception as well. A lot of people think, well, I, I want to be a presenter. All I want to do is do, be a DJ. They get a job in production and then they resent working in production because they're not a DJ. Uh, there's loads of other people, though, like Trevor Nelson you know um charlie sloth who were mcs or big djs or whatever mm. and they've got in through being in the music industry so yeah. you know everybody's got a different route it's just that's how it happened for me wicked wicked and sorry uh, about the, sorry about a super long story no nah, it's always good good luck with that in the edit no nah, it's always good to hear that nick because um even though obviously i've yeah, I've known you for a little while, so I was aware of that sort of transition that you were doing in production. I remember when you worked at Work Experience, man. I remember that, Mark. Work Experience at One Extra. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I made my fair shares of teas as well. And, yeah, uh, everybody's got to do it, yeah. though. And I feel like, I almost feel like if you if you don't do that, you haven't earned your stripes, man. Y- yeah. In a, in a way, yeah, like... In media. In like, media, yeah. you got It's good to know ground up because, I mean... Well, obviously, I, I I had a similar route, didn't I? Because I did yep. a few stints at One Extra, and I came up through the same one. And I genuinely loved production, like mm-hmm. to the point where, because there was a point when you were producing and presenting as well. Yeah, they overlapped each other. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, and that's that's a that's an interesting point because you you're doing both. Like you're getting a taste of being on air, but you're also getting to do the production stuff, yeah. which is lovely as well. Like, um, I'm gonna edit this out, but um, there was a point when I was, or maybe I shouldn't. You tell me. Um, there was a point when I was covering cj beats's show specialist show and i was doing a, a breakfast show on a weekend when i yep. was covering and then you know at one point in the week cj's or the specialist dj is supposed to email the production team the mix yeah so i had to email myself the Great. mix <laughs> and put it into the system <laughs> but um no, but yeah that, so that was your routine and, and obviously you're smashing it as a broadcaster now do you think your production experiences form the type of broadcast you are because every radio presenter has a different way of doing things i've noticed you're quite technical yeah i think i think most definitely like i pride myself on knowing exactly like what i'm doing in the studio because you know this is this is 
by no means any disrespect to any DJs because, you know, it's not their job to know the, the, the broadcast desk inside out. That's why they've got a production team and all the rest of it. But I like knowing exactly, you know, what I'm doing on the desk. I like knowing exactly what's on what fader, how I can put an echo on my voice, you know, everything. I'm, I'm, I'm quite a, a nerd when it comes to radio because of my production background. Cause I studied radio production and I worked here in production. And I think based on, you know, working with a lot of different producers, radio producers, they like that as well. They like knowing that they don't have to be on edge when I'm on air. Um, because sometimes if the DJ is less technically aware of what they're doing, the producer has to almost, you know, always be around the presenter's side of the desk, making sure that they're staying on top of the faders. They're not going to play something out by accident or fade the wrong thing down or blah, 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 blah. But with me, like my producer, my production team can just sit around the other side and let me get on with it because like they know technically they haven't got anything to worry about. You know, that's not me saying I'm the best broadcaster because broadcasting is it's not about technical ability really like obviously that comes into it but broadcasting and being a good presenter is is more about you know how you sound how you engage your stories what you talk about how funny you are so you know there's plenty of people out there that are better than me at that side of things you know what i mean i'm not claiming to be the best guy but when it comes to technical ability i would say you know without sounding like i'm blowing my own trumpet because i'm not that guy but i would say i'm definitely you know in the top tier of presenters that know how to use the desk and know what they're doing for example if my producer for whatever reason got stuck on a tube train because of signal failure or whatever on the way to work and he didn't make it for the start of the show i'd be able to start the show without him whereas a lot of djs wouldn't know how to do that someone who would know how to do is mr jam as well it's worth mentioning he's very technically he likes understanding everything yeah, if I push a button, I do like to know what it does. Are you the yeah. sort of guy that when you get like a new a new like bit of electrical equipment like TV or mm-hmm. everything, you like to push all the buttons, go to the menu and try it all out? Listen, my girlfriend, I'm just like that in life. My girlfriend hates this about me. Like she hates it, right? If we book a holiday or we're going to a hotel or we're going anywhere, even if it's in the UK, I'm doing bare extensive research. Like, I'm going on TripAdvisor and reading every review. Like, obviously, for some, when they've got thousands of reviews, you can't go through every review. But, like, when I went to Thailand, for example, we stayed in quite a new place in Thailand. This is a proper sidetrack from what we're chatting about. But just it proves the type of person I am. We stayed in quite a new, um, you know, accommodation place. And um, I just looked at every review for like on the the whole place all the different pictures what people were saying what's around what's to do blah 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 and my girlfriend's like why can't you just go somewhere and like learn when you get there you know just like soak it all in why do you need to know exactly what you're doing and i'm like i don't know i just i can't help it i can't help even if it's a hotel in the uk even if it's in london the city that i live in i will still go on TripAdvisor and be like so what are people saying about this hotel like <laughs> like yeah i like to know exactly what i'm getting like and I, I can't help it it's just like the type of person that i am i think so when it comes to like pressing buttons i like to know exactly what's going to happen and what's going to come out because i don't want to press a button and uh i don't know take the station off air yeah, everything stopped <laughs> and you, yeah. those things have happened in the past yeah, <laughs> yeah that has happened it's um the best e- of us even with experienced presenters as well yeah um so you notice other bro- uh, you mentioned other broadcasters as well who else do you rate as a broadcaster there's loads i mean in this building, the best 
he says when he says that he means BBC, the BBC radio. Yeah, building. sorry, yeah, the BBC radio building. Um, the best technical presenter for me has to be Scott Mills. I think um, so slick, so good. Everything he does, he knows exactly what he's. He doesn't say it something for the sake of saying it, even though on air. You would never know, you know, it feels really just like natural and feels really, you know, conversational and easy to listen to and blah, blah, blah. But he knows exactly what he's doing in every link. He, You know, it's amazing. Really, really amazing. When he does innuendo bingo, it's so slick on the, on the desk. He's somebody who knows it inside out. So good. Chris Moyles was really, really good as well when he was at Radio 1. I don't, Obviously, you know, I, he's at Radio X and he's still doing his thing now. Mm. I don't know how good he is like at Radio X in comparison to when he was at Radio 1, but I'm sure he's still just as good. Um, Greg James is also really good on Radio 1. Uh, on the One Extra side of things, uh, I would say my favourite presenter on One Extra is Trevor Nelson, just because he's, he's an OG. You can't deny it. And again, so comfortable on air, because that's something that a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with, being comfortable on air. A lot of us have cruxes. Even I have them. As, as in like things that, you know, when I can't think of something to say or when I feel like my story's run out and I'm, and I'm not going anywhere with it, I've got like fallback phrases, things that I'll fall back on, things that I'll say. But like Trevor's just really comfortable and content with being himself on air and can deliver a story and then just, you know, play a track. But it, it like it all fits together really nicely. It flows good. Mm. Um and then you've got Charlie Sloth as well, who uh totally different style of broadcasting in that um you know, he's not he's not somebody who you would call a traditional broadcaster like Trevor Nelson, like Scott, you know. But he's really good at what he does in terms of just it's just crazy. All I would say is if you ever listen to one extra in between uh four PM and six PM Monday to Friday you're in for a ride with Charlie Stock because, yeah, he, he just does all these crazy things, man. Like, one of my favourite things that he's ever done is he used to do a thing. I don't know if he still does it if, or if it's, like, one-offs, but he did a thing called Charlie Sloth's Call Centre, and it was just mad. Like, it was it was like he would just be put... He would get a caller on the phone, and then he'd just be putting on bare different voices, like, pretending to be, like, different departments in a call center so it'd be like you're right yeah it's charlie it's charlie here in the call center you're through to finance oh oh, you want someone in accounts or hang on i've got to put you on hold and then he'd put on some mad music that you would never hear on one extra which was like the whole hold music so it'd be like the cartoons like ooh, ee, ooh, uh, uh, ting, tang, walla, walla, bing, bang. like he'd do that and then like he'd pick up the phone again with a different accent and a different voice like it was just really funny um so yeah, he's he's crazy, and someone else that I rate as as a broadcaster in, in you know his style and what he's done to attract new listeners to the station. Yeah, he's definitely done that. And in terms of listening to other radio, because you're a radio fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, big radio fan, man. What other sort of radio stations do you listen to? I listen to Talk Sport a lot. Yeah, um, big sport fan, you know, big Arsenal fan. So I I I, re- I really like listening to Talk Sport because I think the guys do a great job over there um, engaging audience that like sport um and it's a real skill as well it's worth saying that as a broadcaster our job is to talk but there's different types of broadcasters i'm a i'm a music broadcaster predominantly so my job is to talk in between the tracks the tracks take most of the load 
I do a bit of talking then play a track sports broadcasters or the guys on talk sport generally there's no music on talk sport they're talking for two hours three hours straight mm. it's normally it's, it's, it's pretty much always a co-host because I mean you know to talk for three hours on your own boy that would be hard yeah um, but you know to talk for that amount of time knowledgeably about stuff and be entertaining um, and funny those guys do a really really good job um, over there and I listen to um, Ricky Melvin and Charlie on Kiss sometimes on the Kiss FM breakfast show. Yeah. Those guys do their thing as well. And Manny Norte on Capital Extra. Um, sometimes I flick between him and Trevor, but don't tell Trev. Because, um, you know, I think I like Manny as well. I think he's a really engaging guy. I know him quite well. Because the radio industry, you know, if you're listening to this and, and you, you've never you've never worked in radio, you don't know about the radio from the outside looking in, you might think, Oh, it's massive industry, blah, blah. It's really not man. Everybody knows everybody. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Manny Norte is somebody that I've known for quite a while now from the jump off days. Cause he's, he used to DJ at an event called the jump off hip hop event. And, uh, yeah, just a cool guy. Good show as well. Yeah. Ma- mean- Manny Norte. I think Manny Norte still holds the record for the amount of hours in one week broadcasting on one extra because Manny Norte used to be on one extra back in the day yeah yeah sorry and uh, keep that in if you want yeah we'll do. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah basically Manny was covering for somebody on a daytime show yeah then he was on air doing his show or something on the weekend and then he'd done a couple of like specialist covers during the same week so it was like it was like Manny Norte FM, but you know, I, I'm sure his bank account was thankful for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like a record, <laughs> a record week for his bank account yeah, exactly. out there. So yeah, that's the radio side of things. I mean, broadcaster-wise, where can you see yourself going in the future as a, as a broadcaster? You said you're a music broadcaster. Mm-hmm. You said that's that's like you're very technical. Where can you see yourself going radio-wise? Broadcasting-wise, I'd like to move into sports broadcasting. Yeah, because you know, as we've already established, I'm a big fan of sport really really enjoy sport and um you know the fact that as a sports broadcaster if you can become a commentator or a presenter or whatever you get to go to so many amazing events man like i'm going to the olympics this year because i'm watching my girlfriend compete in the olympics which is pretty cool but Mm. like I'm not I'm I'm going there and doing some work but imagine like going there because you work for a radio station and they want you to do some commentary or whatever you get to go all around the world to some of the biggest events that people would pay untold money for and you get to bring it to an audience that aren't there in an engaging and you know entertaining way mm. and for me that's that's quite a buzz like yeah. I like I like the idea of that and is that in a radio capacity you're interested in doing that or in a, in a TV capacity? Because as a radio presenter, it's interesting when you listen to sports radio, they can paint the picture yeah. for you with oh, words yeah, only. Whereas when you're watching it on the TV, yeah. it can get away with just, you know, dropping a, yeah, yeah, a, well, a, a bit of conversation because all the visuals are there. Here's an example, man. It's like when you watch football on the telly, listen to the commentators next time you're watching a game, right? How much space there is between stuff they say. So a commentator might say something, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then there'll just be silence for ages. Mm. Obviously not complete silence because you've got the actuality of the game and there's ambience mics around or whatever. But there'll be just be loads of silence. If you listen to radio commentary of the same match, there's never silence because they, like you say, literally have to describe everything. 
So they have to do, you know, like Bronzy, Marcus Bronzy's got it on the wing and then he passes it to Bright, who's in the centre circle. Bright looks up and he sees Smith, who's running uh, down the left wing. He switches the play, blah, blah, blah. There's so much of, you know, mm. that that goes on. Um, so I think if you're asking me which one I'd prefer to do, it would probably just <laughs> be TV because it's less work. A little bit easier. It's easier, yeah. Um, but, you know, f- for me, Eva, Eva is, is, is good for me. Um I'd love to do TV. I'd love to do to, to do radio. But specifically, I think it's worth me pointing out that I'm not trying to be a commentator or uh, the, next, the next Gary Lineker or anything like that because, yeah. you know, those guys are serious sports people and I'm not a serious guy. I'm like, I play music on one extra and like, like playing fart sound effects on air over the top of it. Mm. Stupid, dumb shit like that because that's just what I do. Um so the side of things that I'm more into is like the lifestyle things. You know what I mean? You know, like sometimes on YouTube or like even on the BBC Sport website or whatever, you'll see like pieces with sports people, but it's like them going back to their first ever, I don't know, like football team, meeting the players there. Like I like doing the lifestyle things like that with them mm. um, or like playing against them in a match or doing a kick up competition against them or whatever, stuff like that. Um, because I think that fits my style more. Because I'm not a journalist as well. It's worth bearing that in mind, man. Most of the people that you see who are, you know, commentators or doing the real kind of newsy stuff, they're trained journalists, man. They train for years for that. I'm not a journalist. I can't do what they do. Like, I can't push someone on a question if they don't want to answer it. Really, because. You know, I don't want to fall out with them. <laughs> <laughs> is that an element? Is that a side that you'd like to add to? Then maybe like that that element of interview technique, or yes and no. Like you know, I can push someone. You know, that was just a, a lazy example. Like, but at the same time, I don't want people to think I'm a journalist because you know, as I mentioned, my girlfriend's a track and field athlete, and I've met quite a lot of the track and field athletes in a um, non-professional environment, you know, just out and about when I'm with my girlfriend and, you know, we might go for dinner with another athlete or go to, to the, go to a bar or a nightclub or whatever. And I don't want them to think, don't want them to feel like, you know, I'm in the presence of a journalist here. Like, oh, I'll be careful what I say or careful what I do because this guy's a journalist. Cause I ain't a journalist. I'm, I'm really not like, it's all too serious for me all of that yeah like the expose side of things yeah like yeah. i don't want to do that like and, and i don't want to feel like i don't want people to ever feel like i'm somebody who's out to get them or is willing to stab them in the back and you know i'm not saying that about all journalists but a journalist is out there to to ex- it, it, it to extract news do you know what i mean at the end of the day a journalist will they always tell the truth you know that's what they can't lie but like a journalist is out there to find a story that they feel like the readers of their publication or the listeners or the viewers would like to see um whereas me i don't really want to search out news stories i just want to do stuff that i think's fun stuff that i enjoy yeah i mean and you already you are you are getting involved in the sports side of things though aren't you like you've already done some work in that area yeah yeah i'm doing a few bits and bobs man i went to wimbledon a couple of weeks ago which was cool i was working there doing a thing called wimbledon bingo which uh involved me basically uh 
making a fool of myself. I'm Nick Bright and I'm here at Wimbledon today, right in front of Murray Mound. And today I'm going to be playing Wimbledon Bingo. It's a game that we've made up where I'm going to be set some challenges and I've got to complete as many as possible before the day is out. I see you've got some strawberries and cream, tradition of Wimbledon. Yeah, can I, uh, yeah, can I blag a strawberry? Yeah. Can you feed it to me? All right, yeah. you, you ate someone else's food. Did yeah. you really do that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, had to, I had to get someone to spoon feed me strawberries and cream. It's Wimbledon, isn't it? Like, wow. I was like, can't we get someone to like give me some of their pims as well? But you know, they didn't want to. They didn't want to, uh, you know, advertise alcohol on the BBC. <laughs> I was like, come on, man, can't we at least get some pims? So you like the fun stuff, obviously. That that's a funny video. Check that out. That's on the BBC website. Uh, just go to BBC Sport. Yeah, just it? find a BBC Sport website. Like, yeah. it's, it's it'd be way way down now because I mean Wimbledon's been finished for a little while. But mm. you'll be able to find it on there if you really want it. Yeah, underneath all the Rio stuff. Yeah, about exactly. to pop up. But you also do some quite inspirational stuff, though, don't you? As well with the BBC, like you, I know you like to have fun, but you also do some quite quite um, influential bits yeah i mean I, I i i present for a division of the bbc called get inspired which is like it's basically set up after london 2012 and the whole point of it is to encourage people to take up sport and stuff like that so it's kind of all to do with the olympic legacy and um i do a thing called the fa people's cup for them and it's like an it's a nationwide five-a-side t- football tournament which runs alongside the actual fa cup and then the winners of the competition in all the different categories, there's like disability football, walking football, veterans, reg- like, um, you know, under uh, 14s, under 16s, men, women, so many different categories. And um, the winners get their trophies on the pitch at halftime Wembley during the FA Cup final. So it's a big deal, man. It's, it's really, really good. And, you know, I've, I do that. And it's something that I enjoy doing alongside the other stuff that I do. Um, it's, you know, I know I said that I like the fun stuff and I like having fun, but I also feel like things like that are really important because you're highlighting, you know, a lot of people's stories who, you know, they would never really get the shine. They would never get, you know, news pieces done about them because they're just regular people like you and I. So um, that's nice sometimes to do that. Um, and I really enjoy it. It's going on BBC Two next year as well. So it's growing. So it'll be on actual telly. You want to be on actual telly? Yeah, yeah, on the real TV. You can oh, yeah. Sky Plus it if you want, or or Virgin Plus it, whatever you got. Yeah, Viva. Uh, what's it called again? Whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, stream. Yeah, Virgin TiVo box it. TiVo. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Virgin TiVo. Wicked. Huh? Oh man, congrats, man. I didn't know he's going to go on BBC Two. So yeah, man, look forward to seeing yeah, your no, face on a on a proper TV. It's exciting. It's just, I'm doing. I'm doing. And I, I feel like this this whole podcast is like an advert for my career. <laughs> like I'm just harping <laughs> on about my career, but I'm doing. Um, Something I'm really, really excited about. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm, I'm not afraid to say when I'm excited about something because I feel like what happens in our industry and, and in our lives in general, not just people that work here, just in life in general, sometimes you take like your wins for granted. So like when you do well, sometimes you, um, you don't celebrate it or you don't want people to publicly know how happy you are about something because you've got this persona, like you've got to try and act as if, you expect everything to happen. Oh, I'm taking this in my stride because, you know, it's like going to happen. You know, I'm a big deal or whatever. Like, I don't act like that. I'm I'm going to be presenting some uh, interviews for Football Focus this year, which is like, um, if you don't watch football, it's on BBC One, kind of midday-ish before the games start, just to kind of like throw forward to some of the games. And it's like a really big show. It's like... It's like one step down in the sport ladder from match of the day, which is obviously the biggest sporting 
brand in the UK. Um, so for me, that is like amazing. And I'm super gassed that I'm going to be doing that. I'm really, really excited. Um, and I can't wait to get started with that, man. It's happening this season. I don't have any more details other than that, but like, I'm really happy that I'm getting the opportunity to do it, especially because I weren't even trying to be a presenter. Like I said, just fell into it. Exactly. Enjoying the ride. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. Yeah, man. Are you also into other things as well? I I know you're you're into your game. You're into TV. You're a TV guy though, right? I like, I like TV. You know, I'm getting, I'm nowadays I'm getting less and less time to actually watch TV, but like, because you know, things like the wonderful invention that is the internet. I mean, who knew about that? Uh, you know, I can watch things whenever I want. So some of the things that I'm really, really into at the moment, obviously Game of Thrones, got to the end of that. Again, don't want to really say that much about it because people listening to this might not have seen it all. Because I, I watched it late. I can't get into it, Nick. So how 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 can you get into it? Bro? You need to watch it. Like, because I, I'll be completely honest with you. I wasn't into it. I tried to watch Game of Thrones about two years ago. I watched the first series, not when it was on TV. It was about two years ago. I tried to watch the first series and I turned it on and they were just talking about this wall and, you know, talking in this ye olde English, oldie farty talk. And I was like, this ain't for me, bro. This is some Shakespeare stuff. And I just, I just threw it in the bin. Watched, you know, not literally. I threw it in the uh, metaphorical bin. The 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 trash can, yeah, the trash can in your exactly. computer and emptied. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I for, for two years, I just weren't in on it. People tweet, oh my god, Jon Snow, blah blah. I was like, yeah, whatever. The only Jon Snow I know about is Channel Four News, Crazy Socks. Like, <laughs> I, I ain't watching Game of Thrones, whatever, whatever. But then my girlfriend watched it, right? And she she said, I'm gonna give it a go, blah blah blah. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna watch that. Yeah, you you do that, love. Blah blah. She watched it. And then she got halfway through season one and she was like, oh, my God, I'm so involved. And then I was I was a bit intrigued because I know my girlfriend really well. You know, you, you know, you know, you know someone really well. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Because I thought 
if it's rubbish, she's not going to like it. Because I know her really well. I know what kind of things she likes. And we generally t- tend to agree on TV shows and stuff like that. So because she liked it, I was like, boy, man, man, man has to go back and give that a second viewing. You know <laughs> what I mean? So I did. I stuck with it. Again, halfway through season one, I was like, flipping hell. This is good. What I will say, though, right? And this is, this is not a spoiler because I'm not going to mention any names. But just don't get attached to anyone. Yeah, I've noticed that people just die. Yeah. I know. I still. I don't. I just. I don't. It don't, don't get me. I know this is gonna piss you off, probably because ninety nine percent of the world does watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. But I, I, I just don't care. Did you watch Breaking Bad? Love Breaking Bad. Yeah. Loved it. Breaking Bad. I loved it from the first episode. Breaking Bad is sick. Yeah. But I think if you. I think if you did you watch Game of Thrones all the way to the end of the first. I watched episode? the first season, and then was like. So you watched the when first I, season and you yeah. still weren't involved? I sped watched the first season. So I, I binged the first season and then at the end of the first season when I saw Dragons, I was I turned off the television and went, done with that. You went, nope. <laughs> yeah, I literally, I saw I saw the Dragons and I was like, this is not for me. Right. And just stepped away and, right. and, and went and watched something else. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll try it again, Nick. I promise you I'll try it again. Next time we sit down and have a chat, no, I'm not going to promise you. <laughs> what, what you should have done, man, is I know you you recently come back from holiday. Yeah. Um, you should have you should have just got it for the plane. Oh I mean. yes, plane watching. Yeah. So you're into TV. Um, what what else are you into? I mean, I like to think you're into a bit of tech because you do help mm-hmm. us out on our on our brother podcast, uh, How to Kill an Hour. Yeah. Uh, would you call yourself a techie guy or? Yes and no. Like I I do, like I do like technology, right? But this is going to sound stupid because I'm wearing an Apple Watch as we speak. But I do like technology, but only if it's necessary. <laughs> this is stupid, isn't it? But yeah. like, my girlfriend bought me my Apple Watch as a, as a present. Fair enough. So, like, you know, I didn't go out and buy it myself. Because I will say, the whole thing with, you know, the, the kind of smartwatches now is I don't think, even to this day at the moment, that they are worthy of me going out to buy it for myself. I don't think it's a necessity you know, like you need your phone to live in the 21st century. You yep. need to have a smartphone now. I, these guys who are still rolling around with Nokia's and stuff like that, I don't know how they're getting through life. <laughs> I don't know how. But smartwatches, I wouldn't feel comfortable going out and spend 400 quid on a smartwatch because it doesn't enhance my life that much. It's an extra thing to charge. That's it's, how I feel. It's nice, right, If mm. some, when someone texts, texts me and I don't have to get my phone out of my pocket. I can just look at my watch and read the text. It's not 400 quid, you know, worth 400, 500, 600 quid if you want to buy the expensive, expensive ones. You know, mm. like, what, just for the convenience of not having to pull my phone out? No, yeah. you're all right. I'd rather get my phone out kind of thing. But I am into my tech, yeah. Like, I, I like when new stuff drops, I'm interested. And I'm also one of these people, right? Because my mum, you know, my mum is a technophobe. Proper. She don't, she just doesn't get it. She doesn't get Twitter. She doesn't get email. She doesn't get anything like that. She doesn't like my mum is one of those people went back in the day. This is how old I'm taking it right now because it's quite on trend as well. Because this week they announced this is this is one for how to kill an hour. They announced that they're going to stop making uh, VCRs. Yes, the last the last VCR yeah. was made, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You can do that on how to kill an hour this yeah, week. Yeah. But um, my mum was one of those people that just had no idea how to set the VCR even though she wanted to record something every single week and all the rest of it. She still had no idea. I had to get my dad to do it all the time. But I'm one of those people. I'm the opposite in terms of like, 
if I get a piece of tech, I want to know every single thing about it, every single trick that I can do, blah, blah, blah. But I'm also one of those people that as I've got older in life, I never want to get left behind. You know how like old people get left behind and then it's like they're not part of the conversation anymore. Right, right. I don't want to be that guy, but I don't want to be like, you know, the 40-year-old is hanging out with 18-year-olds. That's not what I want to do. I want to be the 40-year-old that understands the technology that 18-year-olds are using still. So you understand the relevance and you understand the free Kind of what you do now as a broadcaster, like 16 to 25 is the demographic. So you're down with this for BBC Radio 1 Extra. You're down with the slang, down with the music. Yeah. You're down with what they're into. You can get away with the slang, though, at my age because you're you're not... like you know i'm not that far out of the demographic yeah. I, I am out of the demographic 29 but like i'm not that far out of it so it's yeah. like you can i can get away with this slang but what i'm saying is when you're 45 50 and you're trying to chat <laughs> hey like, kids like <laughs> but like, like you know it's like it's yeah. like when your parents like try and say blood and fam and like it's dead it's like what are you doing <laughs> like my dad does it as a joke but like you know i think when you get to a certain age you have to you obviously have to act accordingly yeah to what you do and and you have to change the way you speak yeah in terms of you know you, you don't want to start being that cheesy dad who's trying to be like cool with the kids but like you can still be that dad who like talks and acts in a specific way so yeah. that your kids don't think dad you're so embarrassing yeah but you can understand their tech and i and i think it's imperative now as well i think that because things have changed so much in terms of like you know youngsters now man like my nephew for example my nephew must be about six seven no older than eight anyway and like you know he's on you he's i don't know if he's got a youtube um account or whatever but he's on youtube watching pewdiepie watching ksi watching all these guys and um you know things have changed these kids, that's what they're doing. And if you're, if you don't understand what they're doing, how can you regulate it? How can you mm. make sure your kids are safe mm. online? Like, so for me, I always want to understand what's going on just so, like, and this sounds like such a serious point now, but it's like, it's true though, isn't it? Like, you, you, I just want to understand what kids are doing online, what, 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 where they're at. Cause I don't want to turn into a dinosaur. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't want to be the T-Rex with the small hands. Like. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yes. Um. So, Nick, your, uh, your girlfriend is a professional athlete. Yeah, that's that's another aspect of my life. She's um She does the heptathlon, which is seven different disciplines, um, seven different events in the whole thing. So... I will list the seven for you. It's the 100 meter hurdles uh, and then the high jump. Then after the high jump, it's the shot put. Then after the shot put, it's the 200 meters and that's on day one. Then they come back for day two and then on day two, they open with the long jump. Then they go into the javelin and then they finish with the 800 meters. So that's all in order. And that it. It's always it always takes two days yeah, to do that. Across two days, the women do the heptathlon, which is seven events, and yeah. the men do the decathlon, which is ten events, across two days again. And the men, it's even more brutal because the last event is the fifteen hundred meters, which is super knackering. I'm going to show my ignorance here. I had no idea that they did it all over two days. Yeah, I thought yeah. they like spread it out like an event a day or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, two days. So they 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 normally have four sessions. So a morning session. 
then an afternoon session on day one, and then the same on day two. And are there heats and stuff, or is it just all... No, no, no all... heats, because it's all points-based, the heptathlon, heptathlon. So how it works, for each event, you get points based on your time in the running events, or your distance in the throwing events, or your height in the mm. jumping, or, or distance, height in the long jump, yeah. uh, height in the high jump, distance in the long jump. Yeah. You get a certain amount of points for every single event. Yeah. So, like, you know... That people coaches always say because it's weird because I know so much about it now because it's just what happens when you go out with someone if if, if your if your girlfriend or boyfriend is a librarian or a policeman or mm. you know whatever you end up learning about their job don't of course you? of course so um you know I'm a fan I I'm, I've always been a fan of athletics and it just so happens that I've ended up dating an athlete an athlete so um you know I knew some about it anyway in the fact that I go out of her now I feel like I'm an expert but I'm far from it she would tell you that herself but um um I can't even remember the point I was making now you were just discussing the um point system the point system and just how brutal yeah this sort of oh uh, that's what I was saying yeah. yeah so coaches will always tell you that to execute the perfect heptathlon is so difficult because you've got a you've got to get a, you've got to get near your personal best in seven different events and it very rarely happens very very rarely does does a does a heptathlete get near their personal best in every single event there's always one that might let them down yeah like they'll they'll mess up in one of the events and then they'll have to pull the points back in another one yeah. um so it's not like any other uh, other event like a lot of people get confused when they watch the heptathlon because like I said, there's seven events, there's points at stake, you know, someone might be really, really good at the running events and then really rubbish at the jumping events and stuff like that. So it's like, it's really confusing. Unless you know the event, you tend to not really know what's going on because mm. you might watch it. You might watch it when, you know, an athlete is throwing the shot put and they're getting really, really high and you're like, well, that person's smashing it. They're obviously going to win. Mm. And then you'll watch them in the 200 meters and they're like stone last by yeah. miles. So, like, it's really hard to judge it. But what I will say is, at the moment, the the, the, the top people in it are Jessica Ennis-Hill, obviously the Olympic champion, defending yep. her title in Rio yep. next month. Um, Canadian girl called Brianne Tyson-Eaton. She Her boyfriend, or husband, is actually the world record holder in the decathlon. Right. Ashton Eaton. So, right. he's, like, he's got the world record in the 10 event, okay. the, ten, the men's 10 eventer. And then she does the the heptathlon seven right. eventer, and they train together, live together. Like imagine right. that. Do the like they're on the same circuit. It must be a bit mad, isn't it? It's like going to work exactly in the office, yeah. next to your other half, yeah, and then coming pe- home again. Yeah, 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 I know for a fact that Cat would hate it <laughs> if I was a professional <laughs> athlete. Boy, it would be like should be like piss off. Yeah, 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 like throw a javelin through my head. Um, and then yeah the third one is Katarina Johnson Thompson my girlfriend she's the she's the the the, the other out of the at the kind of top three so excellent you know they're all going for gold in Rio and you know now that I'm not this is this this is for your podcast not for the BBC yeah I can uh, completely say that I am 100% biased and want her to win you're not allowed to to say that on air well I think everybody knows it because you know obviously that cat's my girlfriend but it's like you can't you have to be professional i can't really go on bbc and be like you know i want her to win blah 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 Mm. because like the big thing about the bbc is impartiality okay and and, you know 
making sure you give everyone a fair mention and all the rest of it. But like yeah. now that I'm not on the BBC, I would say screw the other two. <laughs> I don't care if they get injured in the first race. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. I just want Cat to win. Standard, standard. Yeah. Um, how how is it going to feel going out to Rio watching her watching her perform? Hard, man. Like it's it's. I tweeted this on the weekend. Um, just gone because I went to the the London anniversary games. Um, and it's the only time in my life in in all things that i do when i'm actually nervous don't get nervous when i'm on the radio yeah i probably did when i first started but now don't get nervous at all don't get nervous when i when i'm on the telly doing tv stuff don't get nervous when i'm talking about myself or doing things about myself but when i watch cat it's nerve-wracking man because you've got zero control you cannot do anything you can't affect the result in any way you can't offer her any advice you just can't do anything it's really really difficult it's a really weird feeling as well like the first time i watched cat live moscow world championships 2013 um i went out to moscow i actually surprised her i didn't tell her i was going which I could have picked an easier place to go. Moscow, you need to, to go to Russia, you need to get a visa and all this mad shit. Like, it was so hard to keep it secret, but I managed to do it. And uh, I watched her out there, and it was just, like, it was really hard, man, especially the 800 metres, because she was still in the run-in for a medal back then, because she's, she's come on leaps and bounds since since 2013. Like, she back then, she she that, that was the first championships when she was actually a medal contender. Uh, the one before that was obviously the London Olympics, but she was only 19 then, and she came 15th and was never a medal contender. She was just someone who was happy to be there. Um, going into the 800 metres, which was the final event, because it's points-based, it was like if she beat if she beat somebody by a certain amount of time and then the, the, the person behind her didn't finish within a certain amount of time of her finishing, she would have got the bronze medal. And that's what I mean by it's quite confusing, especially when it comes to the last event, because it's like you get, it's literally like a set amount of points for each time in the 800 metres. So if you do it in two minutes and five seconds, you'll get like a load of points. But like the person that you might be rivaling for a medal might be really crap at the 800 metres and their personal best might be two minutes and 30 seconds. So it's like they have to try and hang on to you to try and keep up with you. Otherwise, you'll overtake them on points. If you get what I mean? So it's confusing. But once you understand it, it's mad exciting because instead of just concentrating on who comes first in the race in 800 meters, where like the regular 800 meters or the regular 100 meters or whatever, you're just concentrating on who comes first. Usain Bolt's come first there. Whereas in the heptathlon, it's strategic. It's like the, the girls and the guys in the decathlon will know I need to kill myself to make sure that Dave doesn't finish 10 seconds before me because if he does, he's going to overtake me. You know what I mean? So it's like there's loads of little personal battles that go on. And and the thing is, in the UK, we've always had a strong tradition in the heptathlon. I just And, and the multi-events in, in, in general, I'll throw out a few, a few names. In the decathlon, we've got still arguably the greatest ever British Olympian, in Daly Thompson, who a lot of people think is my girlfriend's dad, because her name is Thompson. Thompson Johnson, yeah. Yeah, yeah Johnson Thompson. Johnson Thompson. Yeah. Oh, I was getting the wrong way around. Johnson Thompson. Her yeah. name is uh, Thompson, but that's her dad's 
name like uh, daily thompson is is not her dad um and he just does the decaf he did the decathlon and she does the heptathlon so i can see why people think it uh, so daily thompson greatest ever british olympian decathlete denise lewis um heptathlete mary peters done the heptathlon as well um then you've got um jessica ennis hill of course um kelly southerton denise lewis cat so you know we've got a great tradition of people in the heptathlon and it's it's for me it's mad because like we got together just after london 2012 we got together actually at at the well the first time i met her was a um one extra live the 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 concert that the radio station i work for put on in liverpool she was there and we were already following each other on twitter so like i just found her put in a little chirps you know what I mean? <laughs> did you did you actually approach her yeah? yeah 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 like like she she actually what happened right is she engaged the conversation she tweeted me um i was doing warm-ups on the night so i was djing whilst the venue was filling up and uh on the stage and she just tweeted a picture of me djing to me added me in the in the in the uh in the tweet and then uh, i just tweeted her back like where are you terminator ting you know what I mean? <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? I am coming to you now. G- get in the chopper <laughs> if you want to live. So yeah, man, I had to just find her in the venue, and then like that was it, really. Like, obviously met her, and then um, like we 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 didn't officially get together until like January. Mm. Um, but you know that's when I, I met her in November. All right, cool. Almost four years ago from the time of recording this, so um. You know, it's crazy to think we've been together that long. But the, the the maddest thing about the story is the first time I saw Kat, I didn't know who she was. Never, I, you know, like I said, I'm, I I've, I like athletics, but like I'm I'm like most people out there that like athletics. You only know people once they get big. Mm. You know, Kat was somebody who wasn't big before London 2012, but she was one of the first British athletes to compete on the track because the heptathlon is always the first two days yeah. of the athletics of the track and field, and um she stepped out on the track and got a massive cheer and was like smiling and all the rest of it. And I was like, Oh, who's this painting on my TV fam? <laughs> so I was like, who's this scouse painting? It's like, I've got to get her on my radio show. This is generally the thoughts in my head. I was like, I've got to get her on my radio show because you know, man, I like to chirps that. <laughs> and then, uh, got, uh, I, 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 we started following each other on Twitter. However that happened, I can't really remember. And then, yeah, like that's the mad thing. It's, it's crazy. Cause you know, I don't mean this now when, when I say this, like, you know, I don't mean this in a, in a patronizing kind of way or in a, any kind of way acting like, you know, my girl's so famous because when I first met her, she wasn't that big. She's got, she's got bigger now, admittedly. Yeah. A lot of people know who she is now, but, um, you know, like how dudes, we often, we often see like famous girls on the TV or, you know, singers or whatever, and you might fancy them or, and, but you think, oh, it's just unobtainable, man. I'm never going to meet them. I'm never fancy me or whatever. Like, I, you can do it. I've done it. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? Inspirational thing. You can do it. Yes, like, Nick. what, you fancy Rihanna? You can make it happen, fam. You know what I mean? Like, never say never. Obviously, like I said, I know Kat's not Rihanna levels or, 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 or whatever in terms of fame. You know, she was still somebody in the public eye. And it's like, you know... And and I know, because there's probably people listening to this and think, yeah, but you've got a job where, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I kind of just met her at a concert. 
like yes i was djing at the concert but like in the grand scheme of in the grand scheme of things like i just went into the crowd where she was sitting she was just in the crowd and i just just like chilled with her and like got to know her so like yeah it's just it's going good man like you know it's it's interesting how much her life has changed in the last four years and interesting how much you know my life has changed as well um and if you'd have said to me five years ago six years ago that i'd be dating an olympian i would have laughed my head off like because especially when because you know i don't dj as much now as i used to because um it's just it's just like hardcore going up and down the country especially when you do a weekend radio show and most of the dj bookings are on the weekend and blah blah blah. but when we first met each other our lifestyles were just like it was yin and yang it was you know one end of the spectrum to the other because you know with athletes a big thing about what they do about you know how they operate is not only diet but like sleep they they need a lot of sleep and like decent night's sleep before they train and then physio and keeping fit and blah 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 whereas i was a dj I was eating the Ginsters diet, service station specials. Do you know what I mean? In the middle of the night, especially when, you know, all the like, hot food places are shut. So you can't even get, not that it's any better, but you can't even get like a Burger King or a KFC or whatever because they're shut in the middle of the night. It's literally like pork pies out of the fridge in WH Smith. It's awful. So like, yeah, I've, like, I've adjusted my life quite a lot and a lot's changed in the last four years. Um and it's really interesting from my point of view to see the journey. We've actually changed location, Nick. I don't know. It, like, should we get some wild chat for a few seconds and just like hold our mics in the air while you guess where we're at? Right. So, so where are we, Nick? Listen to that wonderful fountain. We're uh, <laughs> we're in Regent's Park now. Yeah. Um, not gonna lie, thought it was a bit warmer than it is <laughs> like i thought it was like the last few days have been mad hot in london even yeah. at night yeah but um i think this week's not meant to be as hot and like i can tell immediately by coming outside mm. like, it's not don't get, don't get me wrong it's not freezing it's nowhere near freezing but it's just like a little bit chilly you know what i mean yeah and the nips i don't i'm wearing yeah a bit nippy I'm wearing shorts. I don't think it's that cold where I'd look silly wearing no, shorts. No, 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 no. Because the sun's out as yeah. well. Let's just get that. You know, and it is there. early in the morning. Maybe maybe we've got a good day. Maybe it'll be yeah. sun's out, legs out. So um, we had to move location, but we were in the middle of talking about how your lives had changed. Yeah. Yours and Kat's lives have changed since you, you first met. So how have they changed? It's just changed a lot, you know. Like, she's obviously sacrificed a lot of things to be in a position that she's in now yeah um she's worked so hard in training and you know a lot of people don't see that stuff a lot of people don't see how much sacrifice athletes professional athletes make you just see them when they're on the tv and whatever and you just think ah you know what a great life but um it's really really stressful uh, and really really difficult she deals with it really really well and she just sees it as part of her life do you know what i mean i'm not saying that she's you know because she, she's not at all by she, by all means not somebody who's like crying about it and you know wants people to feel sorry for her because she's totally not like that but um you know last year she had a really really tough year with um what happened to her in the in the beijing world championships basically she made a big mistake in the long jump and didn't get any points, which meant she lost. Like she, she was in a gold medal winning position and she went from that to nothing. Right. Um, so that's taught her a lot. 
she would say anyway, you know, and she would have no problem with me saying this, you know, that that's something that it hurt a lot at the time. But like since then, it's kind of she's using it to spur her on in training to get that extra rep, you know what I mean? That extra push, yeah. everything. She uses that as, as inspiration almost. And, you know, from my point of view, I've said this to her as well, like, and, and you know, from, from the public's point of view and sports fans point of view, I think people will appreciate the fact that she's gone through some lows when she actually achieves the highs. Like when she does well, people will remember how upset she was in China last yep. year. And like people love that, don't they? You know, it's like a story. Yeah, it's without sounding like a dick, it makes a great bit of narrative. Yeah, yeah. Do like, you know what I mean? You know, like and I'm, and I'm not a liking in your missus' uh, story to this, but you know in X Factor. Yeah. Everybody knows X Factor. If you don't, people, then, you know, you're living under a rock. But people love the the sob story, the yeah. someone in my family has died or, or yeah. I'm, I could have died and I'm almost here. So that bit of narrative is good for that side of things. But also, mate, it's, it's, it must have given her so much character as a sports person because she's managed to go through some lows and learn to manage those as yeah. well. Like that's, That must be an issue. Not an issue. That's something that you need to learn to be rounded in any sort of thing that you do i also think that like you know at at 23 years old because she's only 23 now um you know a lot of people compare her to jessica ennis hill already Mm. who is the you know the the reigning olympic champion yeah but cat's actually a whole olympic cycle ahead of schedule in terms of like if you if you base it on jessica ennis's career jessica ennis hill didn't win her olympic gold medal until she was 26, which is an Olympic cycle away from where Kat is now. At yeah. the next Olympics, so yeah. Tokyo 2020, yeah. Kat will be where Jessica Ennis was when she won her gold medal. So it's like, you know, the difference is Kat is, she knows she's good enough now yeah. to achieve it. Like, she has the talent. And I, I, When I say she knows she's good enough, I don't mean she, she knows she can walk in and win it. I just mean she knows she has the talent to achieve big things that doesn't doesn't guarantee her a gold medal at all yeah um, you know and she never takes anything for granted so you know she'll we, we'll just see what happens like you know i can't i can't necessarily speak on her behalf in terms of like you know how she's feeling going into the championships but you know what i can say is i've seen all the training firsthand i've seen all the sacrifice firsthand and i've seen you know what she can do when she's in training and it's amazing. I can't do it. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> what, what, what I was going to say, what impact has it had on your health and fitness being with a professional athlete, a world-class um, professional athlete? Not as much as a lot of people think. Like, we, in terms of, like, diet, right? People think that her diet is going to be mad vegetables and salad and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, she does eat a lot of vegetables um, because she's just naturally healthy. But, like, actually, athletes who are losing so many calories and and, and you know nutrients when they're training they have to replenish and and uh, refuel so like she'll eat you know a lot of chicken pro like for, for protein steaks she can have as well so it's not quite as bad as people think in terms of like people go oh but what do you two do like when you go out surely like she's wanting to go to like you know vegetable places and like just get a salad and blah blah and i'm like no nah, not even like it's not it's not really like that at all like we can go to a burger place or or you know and she'll just get the um bunless burger or whatever do you know what i mean like so we can we, there's a lot of options out there but in terms of like general fitness i think what it has done is is it's pushed me to go to the gym more than i was going 
Like, not not because, like, I want to be Wedge, because, like, I've got some, you know, complex about the fact that she's really toned or whatever, but it's, it's, more, it's more just, like, I can see what you can achieve through, like, just doing it. Like, I'm obviously not going to train as hard as she does because I'm not, I'm not flipping trying to be going to the Olympics. I think it might be a bit late for my uh, sporting career as well. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm definitely like more aware of what I can achieve in the gym, just just by going a couple of times a week. Even you know what I mean? And it, and like, it feels nice when you go to the gym. Like, it feels nice when you go to the gym and you come out and you're like, you know, I got a PB. Like, that's how sad I am about it. I count my PBs. But, like, you know, I lifted the heaviest weight I've ever lifted on that machine or whatever. Like, you know, like that, that, sometimes that's nice. And surely she's got some good tips for you in terms of achieving PB and yeah, yeah. And, and, and stuff like, like that. Like, that side of things comes in quite handy for the gym. Like, you know, she'll say to me, um, you know, what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? And I'll be like, X, Y, Z. And she'll be like, well, you should do this machine, that machine for this many sets, this many reps, blah, blah, blah. Like, so that's, that's kind of good, which, you know, it's kind of like having a free personal trainer, but no disrespect to any personal trainers listening. An Olympic athlete is probably better to have <laughs> than any of you guys. Do you know what I mean? Richard, the personal trainer, who's just perving up the girls in the gym. Yeah, Dave, who's getting yeah. everyone to do... um. Uh, touch their toes that's normally what it is yeah, yeah. Now, now face away from me girls and all touch your toes like yeah. <laughs> you've got a little bit of arm on you now actually Nick I can see the, I can see the bicep the it's bicep. not it's not, it's not as much as like it could be but you know I'm like I said I'm not going ham in the gym yeah like, I'm not living in the gym like yeah. you know doing all that eat clean train dirty like I'm not I'm not that guy like I, I haven't necessarily changed my diet mm. but like I just go to the gym Nice. It's also something to do as well, isn't it? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's something to do that's productive. Yeah. Know? Listen to a good podcast or two when you're yeah, exactly. at the gym as well. It's like this one. Or How to Kill an Hour, you know? Or the, How the, to the, Kill an Hour, yeah. The, probably the best podcast out there. I, I would say. I would say. Well, you know what? Part of Marcus Meets is every episode we actually ask whoever we're talking to how they like to kill an hour. Right. And this is a bit weird because you sometimes are on How to Kill an yeah. Hour. Talking yeah. about different ways to kill an hour. So, But how do you like to kill time? You know what? It, mine is mine is so boring. Like mine is literally just to chill. But when I say chill, I mean just like relax, sit down. I'll maybe put on like the best example I can give you. Right? Is is on the weekend. Weekend's a good example because I, I do my radio show in the morning, mm. so I'm on air ten till one. And then I come off air. I can normally get home by about two latest. Um, and Saturday for me is the perfect day because there's so many sporting events happening and that's the perfect chill for me. Like I just love watching pretty much any sport other than golf, snooker, things like that. There's a pigeon, a wood pigeon, like right in front of us. And we're not talking Pokemon. Yeah. Have you got your Pokeball? Maybe we can catch him. He's coming over here. Yeah, I know. This guy's mad friendly. He thinks, he thinks we're going to feed him. That's why. Have you noticed there's two different types of pigeons? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. really manky looking pigeon, ones. Though, it's a wood why. one, yeah. Yeah, the wood pigeons are the nice ones. The uh, That's not somebody, coming from the pigeon, by the way. Somebody it's, playing tunes. Yeah, just somebody walking past. Um, yeah. Yeah, the wood pigeons are the nice ones. The dutty ones the, are the rat pigeon yeah, the, looking. The, yeah, the pigiotos. But, um, but yeah, yeah, just passing time watching sport and just um, and chilling like that or, or beyond that. If I've actually got time to like properly chill, just get away, 
Like, mm. I'm mm. I'm getting really. The problem is I don't get much time to do them because most of the time I'd like I'd like to do them with with cat, but like city breaks and stuff like that. I, I'd I'd love to like you know you know when you see these people who just go to like Reykjavik for two days yeah. or go to Barcelona for two days. Like I, I'd I'd like to get quite into that, but again, her training schedule's a bit um bit mad she trains every day and stuff so like trying to get time off is a bit peak will you get a bit of time off after rio yeah i think so um generally the kind of the major championship which always happens in august time is the last thing in her season so um this year it happens to be the olympics last Mm. year it was the world championships um in beijing the year before that the commonwealth games in glasgow so it's like after that we'll get to go abroad somewhere we haven't booked anything yet or got anything planned but you know in this day and age technology 2016 you can just go turn up the airport or whatever mm. do you know what i mean like book something the day before so yeah, rio's we'll nice as well huh? rio's yeah, nice not, as well stick around there for a little while yeah not too bad but i've got to come back for my for work in it oh yeah yeah your radio show yeah um one more thing nick bit of advice go on for any up-and-coming broadcasters if you could drop some knowledge on them for us please yeah something that i always tell people in this game is um you've got to have a thick skin like and i know that sounds like a cliche or i know it sounds like a bit of a cop-out or like something you hear all the time but the reason i say that is because most of the time people will always tell you when they don't like something that you do one two if you ever if you're lucky enough to to actually break in and and, and do a show and manage to become a, a presenter or whatever you just have to be prepared for, you know, listeners and people to not like what you're doing because they will tell you about it. Trust me, if they if they don't like a link that you did or a joke you told or a story like they'll tell you. Um, and finally, you will hear no a lot in this industry. Uh, and the reason why I bring that up is because there's, there's not that many DJs on one extra in the grand scheme of things. There's probably about 15 DJs on one extra. That's just off the top of my head. Like, that's a number that I've plucked out, I guess, around that. And, um, you know, there's thousands of people that want to be on air. So just because somebody says no to you doesn't necessarily mean they don't like you or they don't feel what you're doing or they don't think you're good. It just means there's not a space available or, you know, for whatever reason, it's not good for this particular moment in time so no in this industry doesn't mean no never it means no not right now and yep. that's the way i always take it like you know if you're doing something and you believe in your talent and you think you're good enough and you genuinely listen to yourself and you put yourself against the likes of charlie sloth against the likes of trevor nelson against the scott mills against the nick grimshaws and and, and you think you know i don't sound a million miles away from those guys mm. like and you're being genuine with yourself because that's something else you have to do like there's a lot of people in in this game both in music like as presenters at, but but as also musicians people that aren't honest with themselves they think they'll listen to their music and it's like deadpan rubbish and they'll put it next to like jay-z and go <laughs> i think it's the same like you've got to be honest with yourself yeah. like, and if you think that you are on the same level as those guys just because you're getting told now uh, no now doesn't mean it's no forever so just keep at it, perseverance. Like it sounds super cheesy, but on my junior school crest, the the like the motto of the school was persevere, and it's something that stuck with me throughout my whole life. Like, you know, you have to be prepared to keep going. You have yeah. to be prepared to chase something, um, and and you know, easy come, easy go. 
if you get something quick, if you get something easy, there's no reason why it won't disappear next week. Exactly. Final thing that I'll say on it, to relate it back to everyday people that people, you know, can understand if they're not in broadcasting or not in the media, is you watch X Factor. You know, so many people watch X Factor, Britain's Got Talent, Pop Idol, blah, blah, blah. Look how many people have come from those shows. They might win it. They might not win it. But look how many people have come from those shows. They've got thousands of Twitter followers. So many people care about them whilst the show's on. They're super famous. Blah, blah, blah. Two years later, they might still have a thousand, like thousands of Twitter followers or whatever, but nobody cares about them. Nobody's checking for them anymore because they got the fame and they got the, 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 you know, the audience really easily. Because they got put on this platform, everyone knows who they are, but like they haven't done the groundwork. The groundwork is so important. If you can build a fan base and build, you know, followers and build your brand from the ground upwards, like the longevity is way better. And that's probably the most important thing that I've learned in this industry. Nick. That was a, a knowledge bomb and a half, boy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very sorry, much. Sorry about going on. No, that's all right. No, we, no you, you know, well, I want you to take away something from this. And, and what Nick said there was definitely something you could take away. And yeah, thanks for, for chilling, man, and, and, and getting involved with this Marcus Meets. Uh, if you've not heard enough of Nick, you can check uh, him out on How to Kill an Hour regularly, yeah. uh, our brother podcast. Um, it's a little bit different to this, would you say? How would you describe it compared to our quite mature conversation today? Um, well, we, we basically just managed to blag a load of like amazing experiences <laughs> for the sake of a podcast. Like That's, that's like how I'd describe it. But no, it's, it, it's, it's a really useful podcast, actually, if you're looking for things to do like you know, that is that a bit out of the ordinary yeah. You know, because you know a lot a lot of a lot of the time in this day and age people get a bit bored just going to the same places going to the club you mm. know whatever whatever on how to kill an hour we basically do some madness we like we've done zombie apocalypse experiences secret agent experience rob, rob banks rob the bank yeah, yeah like yeah. we've done all sorts of stuff so like if you're looking to do something a little bit zany a little bit crazy make sure you check out how to kill an hour um and it's, it's actually like a real interesting one for me in terms of like maybe if you've got a first date coming up and you're feeling a bit, you know, like you want to try something that might last in the memory. Yeah, you know what? And none of them have been bad ideas for first dates, you no. know? Like, I mean, maybe the zombie one might be a bit far because it's like yeah. you don't know enough about your first date to decide whether she wants to be rolling around <laughs> in an abandoned shopping centre like ducking zombies. Yeah. But like... The bank heist one, you, like that's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's loads of bars around where it is and stuff like that. So you know, there's there's loads to do. But yeah, definitely check out How to Kill an Hour for more information on all of that. You can get all the episodes uh, in the usual places, man. Defo. And where can we um, find you, Nick, online? Uh, I'm I'm everywhere: Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Nick Bright DJ on all of them. Got to keep it uniformed. Um, and like genuinely, if anyone needs any advice or is interested in, you know, radio and all the rest of it, just just holler at me on any of those social networks, man, because I know how hard it was and how, how difficult I struggled to get into the industry and how I just, like, just wanted anyone on the inside to just give me a leg up, even if it's the tiniest little thing. So, yeah, just shout me if you ever need any advice, man. You heard the man. He's quite active on social media, too. Proper good bloke, that Nick Bright, uh, and I wish his missus all the best in this year's Olympics, which is happening as we edit this episode together. Um, 
This show is produced and hosted by me, Marcus Bronzy. Thank you to the co-producers, Billy Wright, Shane Powell, David Shawcross. Special thanks to Milo Fisher, Wide Awake, a.k.a. CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for the intro and outro music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes podcasts for Apple devices or Acast, which works with every single phone I know of. And if you're unsure of what will work with your device, head to marcusbronzy.com slash meets to listen any way you desire. We'd really appreciate it if you took the time to click that subscribe button and give us a rating and review. It helps us to reach more ears. If you're unsure how to do that, we've put a link in the description you can click on to give us a rating and a review. And if you really, really love us, you can become a patron of Marcus Meets and get access to bonus content, early episodes, exclusive merchandise deals, and have input on actual show content. You can donate as much or as little as you want. Say a cup of coffee by going to marcusbronzy.com slash coffee. That's marcusbronzy.com slash coffee. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.